And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin, here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. And Pascal, evening, Paz. Hi, evening, Gav. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Disappointing result at the weekend. Made worse, I think, by United, Liverpool and City all winning from uh, almost comeback positions, I guess. United two down in five minutes, came back to win. Liverpool one down, coming up to the 90th minute, came back to win and then... City got pegged back to 1-1 quite late and won. And we basically shit the bed for one mm-hmm. that word. Um, I don't want to go through this game chronologically. I don't see the point. I think we're going to, there's so many different things to take from this game. We're going to be bouncing back and forward. But I do want to start with the starting lineups. Um, so we had one in false change, pretty much the same as every single game uh, at left back. It was Kivior in for the suspended Tomiyasu. And then the only change by choice was Trossard came in up top for Enketia. So just on the starting lineup, pass you can have first crack at it. What do you think when you saw the team? Uh, yeah. I I was uh, again. I think what I've already spoken about my my feelings about the Gabriel. Um, I did say that if he did not pick Gabriel, I'm worried. Um, but Zinchenko was not picked, to be fair. And I think we also said that if Zinchenko was to be picked, then we'd expect Gabriel. So, um, again, he he didn't pick him. So I, I'm not going to question that because I think that's purely fitness. And the way Zinchenko's injury record has been with us, I can understand where there's an element of management of it. He hasn't had a preseason. And also we play United uh, next week. So looking at that team, it was the same... Um, I thought Enketia would start. That's what I thought. And I was quite surprised he didn't because I, I, I didn't, besides his finishing in the previous game, I didn't think he deserved to be dropped or, or left out, so to speak. Um, but besides that, it wasn't a massive surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, even though inside, I would have probably preferred a, a bit of a different team than that. Jazz? Uh <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little congested tonight. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Paz. Um, it wasn't a surprise at all. I think uh, keeping party in that, um, you know, inverted right back role with no Zinchenko. Um, but it wasn't the lineup that I wanted to see. I, I'd kind of prefer some more consistency now and getting closer to something that we've had before and setting up some of the partnerships that have been successful that we've kind of, uh, I don't want to say I've thrown out the window, but uh, have been untested this year. So yeah, again, with pause, I mean, no surprise at all. Um, I think a lot of people have been calling for Trossard to start. So that didn't even really surprise me much. Although I do agree with pause that Enkedia hasn't done anything to be dropped. Um, But I am, I'm, I am, pretty much ready to get back to more of a standard back four, <clears throat> you know, similar to what we had last year. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I'm not surprised. I did say to you kind of half jokingly on the pod, you know, it's just the one in false change, right? Because that's what he does every week. 
And it kind of was that, except for the Trossard thing. I don't really get Trossard coming in for Eddie, I have to say. I thought Eddie at Crystal Palace had his best. I thought he was better against Palace than he was against Forest. I thought it was his best game for us since possibly the United game. Um, last, when was that? January, February. Um, I think it was it was probably his best game for us since then. So I don't really understand why you bring Trossard in. It didn't help that Trossard had an absolute stinker of a half. Um, you know, it was the the worst the worst he's played since the Brighton game, right, Justin? Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely think so. Yeah, I was really disappointed with Trossard's performance. Um, but you know, his, his level of of expectation ha- has just been so huge. I think that's a big reason why we were all a little bit let down. Um, but you know the the team that he's playing in now is quite a bit different than the you know the team that he was starting in last year. Havertz, Rice, uh, you've got a, a different back line, Nozinchenko. Um, so I I do understand it a little bit, I guess. But yeah, it was well below his level, um, and it probably should have been Eddie. I think um, the big advantage to Trossard is is um, is uh, how much impact he can make off the bench. It didn't help Trossard that the whole point of Trossard is that he's a link player to yeah. bring the wide players into the game. And both of our wide players had off days, basically. I thought this was possibly the worst I've ever seen Saka play. I certainly don't think he's had many worse games than this. And Martinelli did get better as it went on and did create a couple of chances for himself. But every shot just seemed to go straight at Leno. Um, but they just didn't have a they just didn't have a very good game. But once again, pass, we won down inside sixty seconds. It's a trend. This is three times in nine games at home. This is a trend. It it, it it's really frustrating. Um, it, um, you know, just before I do start on that, I think, uh, we, and this will go down to what we've talked about, about starting lineup. But Saka and Ben Wyatt have a great understanding why that has been now taken away and I think that's affected Saka um, in his performances not to excuse him for some awful touches and passes and of course we're going to lead to that with this first goal um, but you know Justin's was one of the first to mention this that kickoff I do, first start you're just giving them back possession I don't know what you're doing with that it doesn't make a difference that Harvard's is there because they were doing it before Harvard's was playing so I don't know why they do this I don't know what the intent is what you're trying to achieve just, I, I don't. For me, it's logical. Keep the ball, move it around a bit, get a bit of tempo, and then see where that leads you on. Not automatically surrendering possession to them. And we were just sloppy. I mean, it was a really bad back pass from Saka. I do realize that Party vacated that role and went into midfield, and that played a part. Then Ramsdale's a little bit out of position, and it was fortuitous the goal. I think it was. Uh, I don't think he intended that. But nevertheless, it's inexcusable, really. No, the, the the shot, it is worth pointing out that the shot went in the complete opposite direction yeah. where he was trying to put the shot. And that's why Ramsdale gets fooled because the guy mm. that hit the ball got fooled. Like Pereira's mm. trying to put that in the other <laughs> corner down to Ramsdale's left and it's gone in down to his right. It, it, was a, it was a freak goal and it was just a poor pass by Saka. I don't think it's got anything to do with Partey vacating a possession. If you look, I think he's trying yeah. to go inside to Rice with a pass and the yeah. ball comes off of his heel. He just he just miskicks it. He miskicked the ball. 
And it went through. I, I think if you had Ben White there, though, I don't think he would have gone in the position that party had gone. That's yeah, the I thing. Mean, it's, it, would, it's... it wouldn't have dropped into midfield. So not not excusing Saka's back pass, because it would have still been crap if Ben White was there. But I guess the recovery would have been a lot. I guess would have been there would have been more um, on top of pressure on Pereira at that point than there was when that happened because party was further away and in the midfield area. Um, but but yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm not trying to make excuses because it was just a, a real lapse of concentration, and we've seen it multiple times. Well, it's three times now in this year that we've seen that um, at home. Funnily enough, at home, right? I think they're all it's at always home. at home. Always at home. At home. I don't know. I, I, it's just it really is inexcusable. You're challenging for the title. You can't be doing that three times in a year. And this is year after year. We lead the league with goals coming from mistakes, from unforced errors. We do it every year. We must have done it five years out of the last six. As many times as Man City win a title, we leave the we lead the league in giving away goals from mistakes. When we were playing Kolasinac and Mustafi, right, you can understand that and you can point it away. Even David Luiz, you say, well, he's got a brain fart in him. This is Ramsdale. It's Bukayo Saka. It's Gabriel. It's Saliba. These these are players that should not be making these yeah. mistakes. Just, I, I don't know how we rectify these ridiculous unforced errors. Oh, uh, mate, I, I don't either. Honestly, um, the only thing I can say is is um, I mean, <clears throat> I think there are some excusive reasons for it. You know, being super young, having a, a, a well, that's not even true, is it? We're we're not very flexible in 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 players in and out. But I do feel like because the lineups are usually so consistent, when they're not, we're seeing these players who you wouldn't expect make mistakes, like the Odegaard missed pass to where Party would have been last year. Uh, was it two games South- in a row? Southampton. Yeah, and- Southampton and. Who else did he do it again? He did it against someone else as well, which I yeah, think someone great. else, yeah. Um, but he did two in. It was like two in two games where he gave the he just gave. Them was one. Nottingham Forest the first time we played them? Uh, did, uh, did we? Did we have? No, a... it was it was after that because it was when the game still mattered. Yeah, it was. Right. Um, but you know, my my point is is that like it almost feels like Arteta changes up the side so little that when he does, it opens us up to massive errors. And, um, you know, obviously there's still a lot of blame on the players. I mean, Saka, he dropped the ball majorly here. Odegaard did last season. Um, No hate to either one of them. You know, they're going to make mistakes. But um, it does feel like when the team is not consistent, errors are more likely. Hmm. And we we do seem to just get punished for every error. Do you know what I mean? Like other teams seem to make these errors and then they, they get away with them. We just seem to get punished for every error. You know, Odegaard giving the ball away, both of those errors were 30 yards inside the opposition mm. half. Yeah. And we've been punished with with goals. And it, it really is... Um, it, 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 would you remember the, the party one was very similar against Man United where Rashford bangs that in yeah. with their foot? Yeah. That was, that was yeah. on the halfway line. Mm. It, we do seem to get punished to the max. I yeah. don't know why. Man but... City, Gabriel Man City. Yeah, we, we just get punished to the max for every one of these of these errors. But we've we've got to cut them out. You don't see Man City making these errors now, and I think part of this this is a self fulfilling prophecy, 
right, Judge? Because teams know that we make these errors. Therefore, teams are waiting for these errors. Therefore, teams are in position for these errors. Teams don't expect Manchester City to make these errors. So they're not in the areas to basically intercept the ball when these errors do happen. No, exactly. And that was going to be my point is that we do set ourselves up to the point when where we make an error like this, we're wide open for the other team just to slice through us, it feels like. Um, and that's the way we try to play, right? We try to win the ball as high up as possible. And then, you know, hit hit them fast, but also control in like the middle and final third, right? So mm-hmm. anytime we give a dangerous ball away like that, half the more than half, sorry, like probably eight out of 10 players are all above the ball when that something like that happens. And of course we're going to get cut through by anybody decent. Yeah, it, it it's mad. But Pass, it was just, I mean, it was a bad game all around that first half. The second half, I actually thought we played pretty well um, for the, for the vast majority of it. But the first half we were just, we were just off. I mean, we were completely off the, off the pace. Yeah, we, um, uh, like you, you mentioned, Trossard uncharacteristically terrible um, touch. Well, it was like two, three times. His touch was awful. His connect is it. Um, <clears throat> the way he was connecting with the players, um, we just I, I I don't know. It was really weird, and and I was going in full of optimism that we were gonna. And I think Justin rightly said, I said we're gonna take them to, we're gonna really take it to them. We're gonna, you know, I had a feeling we're gonna batter them. He was right in saying that that probably is not going to be the case, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad and that we were sloppy. Um, we we also were making uncharacteristic passes. I think Saliba made one. and um, uh, Odegaard gave the ball away. Odegaard gave the ball away. Very, very, I mean, we had chances. I mean, we did have chances, but uh, just Fulham looked far more threatening than I would have hoped them to be or would have thought they would be. And... Um, yeah, it was it was uncomfortable viewing, to say the least. And I just want to point something out here as well. It's okay to say Kai Havertz had a bad game, right? Like everyone online, he's going nuts. All the big Arsenal cats, you can't write him off. I'm not writing him off, but he had a bad game. And it is okay to say that. And, you know, and they're all bringing out these straw man arguments. People are saying he's lazy. They're saying he's language. Look at the distance he's covered. I don't think anyone is actually saying that, right? Like the problem with Kai Havertz isn't that. The problem is, is that I think what we expected was someone that was going to be a better ball player than Shaka, right? Someone that was going to be more creative, someone that around the edge of their box would be better. And through three games, and I want to make this point, it is three games. We are nowhere near seeing whatever he is or he isn't. But through three games... That is not what we have got. Granite Xhaka, from what we have seen so far from Kai Havertz, is a far better footballer than Kai Havertz. Now, Havertz might be clever and he might cut out passing lanes and he might track back. But on the ball, Granite Xhaka is a better passer than Kai Havertz. Granite Xhaka has more of a goal threat than Kai Havertz from what we've seen so far, Pass. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the biggest issues with Kai Havertz is if he would, had come straight from Germany, I don't think we would be overly reactionary to him, but we've 100%. seen him. Exactly. So we've seen him the last X amount of seasons at Chelsea doing more or less what we're seeing at Arsenal, not in the same position, but this kind of 
approach to a game where he doesn't really make the impact you want him to do. And I, I feel that is also playing in the psyche of all of us. So it's not really in our minds three games. It's actually a lot more than that because we've seen him in the previous season. It was always a one that we I, we got behind the manager. He's identified something. It's what to do. But personally, and I'm sure you'd all agree, it was a surprise one because I just thought I, I didn't couldn't see where this was going to work. But like you said, it's three games with us. So I, I'm not going to be overly judgmental on the guy, but I do feel it's something that Arteta is going to have to really look at, uh, especially when we talk about the impact that others made when he came on. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you don't want to be reactionary, for sure. No. But I, I just, my point was, it, it, it's okay to say he played badly. Like, all yeah. of these big Arsenal accounts are leaping to his defence. And, like, lads, it is okay to say the guy had a bad game. In his first two games, he was fine. Actually, he was pretty good in his first two games. But yeah. but yesterday, he, or Saturday, he had a bad game. It's okay to have a bad game. You haven't got to go out there and defend him with gusto just mm. because someone said he had a bad game. And, you know, it, it, no one is saying that he is lazy. No one is saying his body no. language is bad. No one is saying that. The disappointment with him has all been what he's producing on the ball. That is all yeah. of what the disappointment is. He's not seeing the passes. He's not making the passes. He isn't running with the ball very often. When he when he does, by the way, he's very good at it. But he mm. isn't doing it. So... There's, there may be a confidence thing here too, and I'll take a might have to build him up. But like you said, Paz, I mean, he came from Chelsea. It was far more money than any... There isn't a single one of us that would have done that transfer. And to be honest, yeah. there is not a single person in the media or anywhere else that thought it was a good move, right? Like, like yeah. that's why the media are getting on his back because no one understood it. The only person that understood it was Arteta. So we're going to yeah. have to wait and see how this plays out. But it is okay to say he had a bad game when he had a bad game. And on Saturday, he had a bad game. And he wasn't the only one. But he did have Absolutely. a bad game, for sure. Just where did it go wrong in the main in this game? What do you think the real issue was, particularly after we went back in front? Man, I know this is, <clears throat> I know this is pretty much a non-answer, but we just didn't feel... Um uh on it like we didn't feel concentrated at all i felt like there were so many poor giveaways so many um nice shirt boss so many um you know uh, it just it just felt very disorganized from us the the whole time and i i think it it definitely hurt that we had um <clears throat> a player in uh trossard in the in the nine who wasn't giving us a uh you know, a way to hold the ball up. He was really rough. Like you said, we had a player in, in, in Havertz that wasn't able to carry. There were some runs. I, I mean, I think we all remember that, that, uh, that cross to the far post where it looked like he just didn't even go for it. You know, he just stood there. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a few players that were off their game and I think it really hurt us because they're, they're tentpole players. Um and, uh, you know, the rest of the team just looked a bit disorganized. And I don't know if it's because we have so many, you know, new players in the squad, but really it's it's not that many, is it? Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel like there was a lot of disorganization and um, just a few key players in key positions that were off it for me. I, 
I just think this is exactly the same problem as we've had forever. We get in front and we immediately back off, submit. And it's, you know, in all three games this season, we have dominated for a large portion of it. The first hour in all of them. Now, we gave away the silly goal in the first minute. Saturday, whatever. We dominated that game. Absolutely dominated. Yet, we're getting into the last 15 minutes of all three of these games trying to cling on to a one-goal lead. And I do not understand it. And if you do that, eventually, you are going to get caught. This could have been the penalty at Crystal Palace when Eze went down. It could have been a corner against Nottingham Forest in the last minute that the same thing happened wrong. This could have been in any of these games. If you keep putting yourself in a situation where you're trying to cling on for the last 15 minutes, this is exactly what is going to happen. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you guys a, give you guys a little stat here now. So, so far this season, we have led for 114 minutes. During that 114 minutes, we've had an XG4 of 0.5. Our XG against is 1.19 while we've been leading. This is not a tactical problem at all. The, the percent, you can split it up what percent is tactics, what percent is mentality. It is 100% mentality. There is no tactical issue here. We we dominated that game yesterday. We dominated it more than the game that we we beat them in last year. It was one of the most dominant performances that we have we have had. As soon as we went in front, we backed off. We did it against Palace, even before the sending off. We did it against Forest. Paz, I know you you think there was tactical issues, right? I I see your point. What you're saying too, because maybe in the main it's a mentality issue, but I do feel. Uh, I'm pinpointing this game in particular um, in that I think tactical was a problem. I think the, um, I don't feel, for example, like I mentioned, I feel Ben White and Saka's partnership is, is lost with the party arrangement. It's totally lost. I feel that plays a big part in how Saka performs. Not that he didn't have, he he could have had a bad game with Ben White in there, but I think it's like, for example, the Martinelli Jesus connection. I think you lose that. You lose that partnerships that we've always been used to seeing over the last year. Gabriel Saliba, that partnership has been solid for us. I feel you lose that when you put Ben White back in a central uh, centre-back position, which he's not played for for over a year. And now you're putting him right back into that. That's where I feel the tactical element has played a part. And I feel maybe the selection of certain players. I, I think Harberts, yes, he has been okay. But I, as you saw, the minute Vieira came on, there was a totally different way that we were playing and how we were impacting. I don't know if Trossard was the right move to do, considering Ketty had a good game against Palace. So I think that's where I, I put the example of tactical. I'm not saying every game. I think what you mentioned there is definitely a mentality problem, but I wouldn't rule out certain elements that could have been done better tactically and could have aided us in that game. I just think them things happen when we've had that back four on the pitch. This is this is my problem, right? West Ham, Liverpool. This isn't the first time we've seen this. We get in front and we stop. We start to defend. You saw him throwing on Rob Holding at the end of mm-hmm. games last mm-hmm. last year. Right, you, you've seen this over and over again. The way he does this, Arteta talks about wanting to score five goals a game, want to put teams away. His actions don't say that. 
They don't say that at all. Yesterday, no. after after we went in front yesterday, Arteta made the single worst substitution, right? And his subs were good until that point. Bringing Eddie on at halftime was brave and it was a good move. Bringing Fabio Vieira on for Havertz was brave and it was a good move. Bringing off Erdegaard again is a disgrace. It is a disgrace of a, of a decision. And he should apologise for that. Can you argue that that's tactical as well, though? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I, think, tactical, I yeah. think it's mentality driving the tactics. He mm. did that because, again, he's scared. And there is no need to be scared. They were down to 10 men. No, I agree. And he's took I off our best you. attacking player for what? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was very Unai Emery for me. It was very kind yeah. of scared... And when, why would you be scared? You are one man up, you're at home to Fulham. There's no reason to be scared. We've got back in the game, we're in the lead now. It, it, it sets a really bad tone, I think, um, with well, we how said the players last year, After he took off Erdegaard against West Ham, absolutely, another absolutely inexcusable sub. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that one might even have been more outrageous than than this one. It was a terrible, terrible sub. And after that, we said we didn't ever want to see Erdegaard going off again. Every single game, he's bringing him off with four minutes to go. And it makes no sense. I don't understand what he thinks them four minutes are doing for Erdegaard's legs. And when the when the inevitable did happen, and I say inevitable because, again, we're trying to cling on to a one-goal lead every time. Eventually, you are going to come unstuck. And when it does, Jaz, our best player and most creative outlet, is sitting there watching on the sidelines. Mm. No, yeah, I agree. Um, I think um, taking Odegaard off in these kind of positions <clears throat> is uh, is borderline criminal, especially when you have players like, uh, you know, uh, Saka who didn't have his best game and is is we already know he's going to be played constantly. Um, you know, Vieira could have easily shifted over to the right, bring in someone like Smithrow, a little more attacking. Um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it, it was the Bournemouth game, right? Uh, it, no, it was Southampton. That's what I'm thinking of. When Where Odegaard Odegaard scored to lead the comeback? Yeah, I mean, he was massive in that comeback. And, and he hadn't had a good game that game either. He, yeah, he had, remember, he, he was had, a bit off yep. until it was, what, what was it, like the 88th minute or something, until yep. he rocketed then, that ball in the bottom he, corner. He went super saiyan, mate, and and just you know he got us back in that uh you know back in the game, and and that's how we got you know a, a point out of it at least, right? Three three, right? That was a three three. Yeah, it was a three three. Yeah. yeah. Three, three. After um, again, we went down in the first minute with Ramsdale's yeah. stupid giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It, it's kind of shocking to me. I mean, at this point, I think there's there's got to be something uh, about like testing players' fitness that maybe Odegaard doesn't necessarily do so good going the full 90. But I don't understand it after he's been clutch repeatedly at the end of games that we continue to take him off and we continue to put on such safe options. Like we should be going for the throat against Fulham at home with 10 men. And I like the Jorginho sub. I do. I like the Jorginho sub to come on and and control the match. But I don't think this was the game. I think we should have we should have put on more firepower and just destroyed them. Yeah, I mean, we were already in control. Do you know what I mean? Like we had yeah. control. Yeah. We ceded control of that game because as yep. soon as we scored, once again, 
we drop back and drop off and let them have the ball. And there was absolutely no need for it. And the, you know, sorry, sorry, just, but you know, the Jorginho to justice point, Jorginho sub made sense against palace. We were 10 men at that time and we wanted to control possession and we wanted, didn't want to give the ball away, but how Jorginho sub might make sense if you're replacing rice, maybe. Perhaps because, you know, it's a similar position and you want, but it makes no sense taking one of your best players in an attacking entity off the field. The most creative one there, it it defies logic. And also what I did find um, interesting about the the games we've conceded earlier, if you notice it's against, you know, the teams that usually are in the bottom half. Not yeah. the big. We didn't, this doesn't happen against United. It doesn't happen against Liverpool. It doesn't happen against. We we seem yeah. to do this against teams which which go, leads maybe to your point about mentality. The un, underestimated teams that we go in and just be very reluctant to. Uh, we, we have this um, uh, maybe an arrogant kind of mentality about what they'll be like. I don't know, but it, it seems to be against these lesser teams, which yeah. is weird as well. And, and again, like the law of averages, sorry, Josh, but the law of averages says if you keep doing this, there is going to be a point where you don't get back, which is basically what happened against Southampton. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, it was, you know, this last game against Fulham, it was Bournemouth and Southampton last year, and there was mm-hmm. one more, was it West Ham? Do you remember the other one, or the other Leeds? Uh, we did go. We did go one down against West Ham, didn't we? Because that was where yeah. Eddie scored. I can't remember if it was that early or not. It was probably from an error because most of the time it is from an error. Well, this leads me to my big question, though, and what I think a lot of people care about is it the squad, the players, or is this a managerial uh, imprint? I think it's got to be the players, right? It has to be. It has to be. The players and because this this and the hard part is is that it predates these players and it predates this manager because we were doing this like I said when we had Mustafi and Kalasinac we've yeah. always led the league in these unforced errors and it is something that's ingrained and I I don't get it like both of these goals the second goal yesterday from the corner or Saturday first off. Zinchenko gives it away sloppily and Zinchenko was excellent when he come on until that mm. moment. He starts fucking around with a ball on a touchline. He falls over. We end up conceding a corner. Corner comes in. Palinia, who's Fulham's only good player, although he's a defensive player. Great player. So maybe you're Great not player. Expecting, I love him. Yeah, maybe you're not expecting that. But Saka just lets him walk off of him. We had four red shirts around that ball mm. and not one of them got there and it goes into the far corner. And it's just, it is sloppiness, it is carelessness. And at a time when we've just decided to see possession and give them all the ball, I just, I don't even know what we were thinking. Pass, go ahead. Yeah, it, it really is. It's It defies logic for me. And we, we've been talking about, and I think, again, to the mentality, which you're talking about when we're tunnel up and then we let things slip, it, this nervousness that we saw, um, it was strange because even as a fan watching that, when they went to 10 men and we were 2-1, I still didn't feel overly confident or comfortable. And that that's a feeling you get when you just watch us playing in that manner. And I, I, I think the Odegaard substitution also gives the players the impression that, okay, we're all going to sit back now. That's yeah, we, we were already do. doing it, and then that, yeah. that was almost Arteta saying, yeah, okay, we can. Yeah, yep. absolutely. 
And I think they've they've really got to work on that because we can't keep doing this. We just cannot keep going into the last fifteen minutes of games and trying to hold what we've got. It makes it makes no sense. I mean, we've scored five goals so far this season. We could have had five in every game. Yeah. And we haven't. And you're gonna miss chances, and that is fair. But there is no way we should just be going in front and seeding possession like this late on. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. Just we we won't be uh, uh <clears throat> excuse me we won't be uh, like a top top team until we start putting these lower sides to the sword. And I know every game in the Premier League is is a tough game now. I know that everybody's got a different style. I think there was a lot to compliment about Palace and Forest and even Fulham. That's fine, but we have the quality to put these teams to the sword. And if we let our mentality keep holding us back from I mean, you know, if City was playing these games, they they probably would have had five. And if we if if that's the level that's set, that's the level we have to get at if we actually want to challenge in this taking our foot off the gas. It, it's not it. See, my problem with this is that I do think they were easy games. I do. That no easy games um, in the Premier League is a load of bollocks. We had over seventy percent possession before the hour in all three of those games. We had chance after chance that we 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 missed, and then we just went back into our shell and sat sat back. I don't think you can say these are not easy games when that game on Saturday, I don't even remember the last time I saw a game as one-sided as that. It was literally two terrible errors and us pounding their goal. We made them difficult games. Yeah, we did. We made them difficult Mm. games. But I also thought like in particular to Saturday, I thought Leno had a a great game. And everything was straight at him. I mean, I'm, I don't want to take anything away yeah, from him, but, but yeah. Erdegaard, and, Erdegaard and Martinelli must have fired five each straight down his throat. And even the good save at the end from Fabio Vieira when he nearly he nearly rescued us on like 92 minutes or whatever, even that one that he flicked over the bar, that was, I mean, that was straight at him as well. Had it been either side, it, it probably goes in pass. Yeah, wasn't it offside? Or no, no, the bicycle kick. The bicycle kick, the bicycle was, kick was offside. It was, it no, was I mean the shot though. from the edge of the box at the end when he bent it oh, with his yeah. left foot from the edge of the box. And right, I, I thought it was the bicycle. The bicycle, bicycle kick was offside. Bicycle kick was offside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, oh. Yes, I remember that. It wasn't. It was pretty near him. I remember it being pretty near him. He just yeah. tapped it over the bar, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, we just had chance after chance. I mean, Odegaard cut back mm. inside and had the whole left side of the goal to aim for and bent it over the bar. The sack mm. header. I mean, you can watch that fifteen times. I don't know how he's missed that. I mean, he just basically heads it straight into the ground. I, I, I don't see what he's done. Martinelli mm. a couple of times went through and and should have stopped Harvard's, and didn't. Um, the the cross by Saka, why Harvard's, Harvard's not he in couldn't the box. get on the end yeah. of. Like oh. it was just. But that's what I'm saying. This is you're saying there's How no easy games. This should have been an easy game. Yeah. And our yeah. mentality is what causes problem. Once we got in front. We should have stepped on their necks and we should have put them to the sword. We absolutely should have as soon as we got that second goal. And instead, we back off. We immediately, as soon as we got that second goal, we immediately backed off. And you knew trouble was coming as soon as that because you just can't do that in the Premier League. You you cannot do it. You make these teams look good by doing that. If we'd have just kept going forward, they'd have had no answer whatsoever. They At that point, I'm telling yeah. you, they would have been happy to get out of there 2-1 at that point. The only reason they started getting a bit more adventurous is because we sat back and we let them come onto us. Just Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't really argue that. I mean, I think um, 
you know, when you watch it and you look at the statistics, I mean, it's easy to say, like, you know, in hindsight, we should have won that. I just think in preparation for these games, I think is more of what I mean when I say there's no easy games. I mean, in the first half, Fulham could have had, uh, uh, I know their XG ended up being pretty low. It was like 0.67 or something like that. It was but... lower than that. I think it was 0.51. Oh, well, um, you know, I, I mean, I still remember some pretty dangerous chances in the first half. See, but... I, I don't. The only chance I remember him having, other than the two goals, was the Adama one right at the end, where Saliba actually did did pretty well to force him wide and and get the slide in to kind of put him off a little bit. But I don't remember him having any other chances. Didn't they? I mean, uh, I guess you're right. Three shots on target. Yeah, oh, they had nothing. Ramsdale hardly made a save. Uh, just the one with his face from Adama at the end. No, I, I just, I don't think they had anything at all but it, it just we can't keep doing this you know you're not going to win a title and we're three games in but you're not going to win a title if you're giving these away because you know that ain't going to be the last stupid goals we give away at home mm. no no no, and absolutely um one thing I mean and yeah we should have done a lot better here no doubt um one thing I I, I will and I'm not sure Arteta nailed the tactics on this one, but I will say, and I'm I'm sure we're going to touch on it, but we're low on time. Um, the substitutions were a lot better here. I yeah, think. we'll come back. We'll, we'll keep on with this. We've got a couple more things to go over in the second half, so we will okay. we will touch back on this. But you you are right. The substitutions until the Jorginho one were better. Yeah. At half time, he made the change that needed to be changed, and I wasn't expecting him to make that change, but he made the change that needed to be changed, and then bringing on Vieira for habits. That's a brave decision. Mm. So we, yeah, it was. It was. It was. We've came in for decisions before, but but pass. You know, he made the right calls right up until we went in front. That and 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 I think he, he had to at that point. I think when he's really in a position where he has to make a decision, he's not that bad at that. I think it's it's times when he makes uh, moves when. Um, I, I, you know, I just think there's times when he makes unnecessary moves or... Well, my problem is when he doesn't make the long. moves. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like when, when we're looking at the first sub in the 74th minute and then the next one on 87, that's my problem. Mm. My problem is that when he doesn't make the moves, I'm glad at least he was proactive here. Same. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it was what he... I think he was tempted to make the, the changes at halftime. But he made one in Inketia. I think the intention was let's see the next 10 minutes, see how it goes. And obviously that it didn't make any change. So then he went and did it. And I was glad he did it a lot earlier. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's come back for the second half because there's a lot more I want to discuss here. I want to get into, um, and it, it's more than just a game. I want to get into the goalkeepers. Um, I want to get into some stuff around Fabio Vieira. And mm. and where we and Emil Smith Rowe and, and where we're thinking from here, I can see Judd's getting excited at the thought of talking about Emil Smith Rowe signing for Chelsea. But um, we will be back in the second half. So, guys, I'll, I'll see you in a second. Sounds good. All right. Hey, guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. 
Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Jazz, let me start with you on this one. Um, I think everyone needs to calm down on Fabio Vieira. I think he had a very, very good half an hour. I think it was an excellent sub-appearance. The penalty was one of the clearest penalties you'll ever see. The assist was brilliant, and it's not the first time he's done that. But it's half an hour against Fulham when we're when we're chasing a game. I mean, I, there's no way in the world that Vieira should start next week, right? Yes. <laughs> no, as someone as someone who, you know, has kind of believed in Vieira this whole time, you know, and I I mean I think you can document the document. That's why I went to you. The, yeah. Um, I do think people need to calm down on Vieira. I think it was an amazing substitute appearance. But the fact of the matter is is he's got like two good appearances versus what, eleven, twelve, thirteen kind of misses. Um, I do think he'll make something of himself, even if not here. I think he'll be a, a top player somewhere else if if uh, it doesn't work out for him in the prem. Uh, but yeah, it, it, people are getting way too overexcited. My only drawback on your question is that I would be looking... If it was me against United, I'd be starting Party and Rice in midfield. No, I would, you wouldn't. You'd be starting Emil Smith-Rowe. Well, I think honestly, I I don't think I would like no. considering he hasn't appeared once. I think that'd be a big risk. You know what I mean? He has no game minutes in his legs at all. Only you know the Euro, uh, the the under twenty one. Yeah, the under twenty one Euros and a couple friendlies. Even then, he didn't play very much in the friendlies. Um, so I'd be going Rice Party, Odegaard. And I would drop Havertz. I just don't think Vieira has quite earned it after a brilliant but small sample size. And Paz, almost the same to you, really. I mean, I picked Vieira as, as the uh, as the player who was going to be our most improved this season. I do think he's going to have a big part to play this season. But we need to see more of this from the bench, right? Yeah, we do. And if we were playing a lesser team at home, I would. I wouldn't be reluctant to say Vieira uh, should be given a go, but because we're playing United, uh, I thought we need to really have a robust midfield. Um, so uh, to Justice's point, I think Party and, and Rice makes more sense for, for that particular game. But it, it is good to know now that Vieira can, because one of the problems we were having with him was he was having very little impact off the bench as well. Now we can see that he, he there's obviously an uh, adaptation to English football, which has helped. Um, and this will give him immense confidence. So it, it helps us in, in in a massive way to have some kind of um, to to when we need to change a game to have players that can do that. Just real quick, too, I just want to say, uh, you know, of of course he was good. We all saw he was he was very good in his passing and stuff like that. But he he looked different. He had like a drive in him that I I had mm. I hadn't really seen in a previous performance which I think is great. And I think it goes along with pause, what you were saying about um, he, he actually seems like a, a pretty confident player right now. And he looks hungry. He does. Yeah. He looks very hungry. Yeah. And that, that's one of the only reasons I would consider him. Um, but I, I think against United it's, it, it's, it's too soon or too much. 
Yeah. I, I want to see him come off the bench, but yeah. I just don't think you earn a starting spot in 30 minutes. Like I just, I just don't. One 30 minute appearance is not enough to earn a to earn a start. I think we need to see this a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I don't mm. want to preview the United game. We'll do that. We'll do that later in the week. Um, but I, I just think before we all start clamouring for Fabio Vieira to start, I want to see this a few more times off the bench before we we really get into that. Um, mm. And again, not previewing the United game, but I do want to talk a little bit about the goalkeepers, Paz. Personally. I think, I think this is it. I think Raya's gonna gonna come in, and I was the most bullish on Ramsdale before the season started. I didn't think this was gonna happen. I thought Ramsdale would would fight off and keep his place. I don't think Ramsdale did anything particularly wrong. I mean, the goal you can point at a few things on it, but I just think that Arteta has been Arteta wants to play Raya is what I'm thinking. And do you remember? What happened with Leno Ramsdale? It was at exactly yeah. this point of the season. Third game, everyone saying, well, it might happen after the international break. Nah, he just put him in for game four. And I think we're going to see the same again with Raya this time. It's not what I want to happen. I, I would prefer to see Ramsdale out there again. But I, I think this is it. I think this is the changing of the guard. Um, how are you seeing this, Paz? I think my only counter to that in that the parallels is that we did come off the back of three defeats one was 2-0 Chelsea at home and I think 5-0 away to Man City uh, plus losing to Brentford uh, 2-0 as well so you know if you're gonna make a change of goalkeeper you can kind of see it at that point in this case I maybe you could fault his positioning. I know he was fooled. You could perhaps fault that and you could fault this kickoff nonsense. But then the instructions obviously coming from the manager with that kickoff. Um, I think it'll be quite harsh to to change him because I, I don't see where he's played badly or done anything horrifically, uh, like made any major mistakes. Um, and also it's the first two were wins and the second one was obviously I think more a team reason why we drew um but I think it is plausible it is plausible and it it wouldn't be one of the biggest surprises I think he still stays though that's my feeling but I could definitely see that also being the other way does that you see this plan out because you were the most bullish on Raya, um, and I know you said again and again, it's not what I want to happen, but it's what I think will happen. Um, how do you see this? Do you think, I, I mean, I I agree that Ramsdale hasn't done anything particularly egregious, but I don't think Leno did anything particularly egregious either. I think it was just Arteta brought Ramsdale in and wanted to play Ramsdale. And after three games, he said, okay, that's it. I'm doing what I want. I, I just see that happening again. What? What? How are you seeing this? Man, I think this is kind of a tough one to predict. I um, I don't think, I think obviously Leno wasn't Arteta's guy and he wanted to bring Ramsdale in as early as possible. I think Ramsdale and Raya are both Arteta's guys. Um, so I'm sure he wants to bring Raya in, but I do think he'll either wait for, I know this is what everybody said last year, but I do think he'll wait either for an international break or a, a particularly like egregious game from Ramsdale. I, I don't see him starting next, especially to throw him in net against United. 
Uh, it's possible. I, I just don't see it. I think it'll be Ramsdale, but I don't think Ramsdale's long for this world in Premier League games. Yeah, that was kind of, I've come round to your way of thinking on this, Just to be quite honest. Paz, where are you on it now? Because I do think that even if it doesn't happen this week, and I really do think it's going to, but even if it doesn't happen this week, do you think there's an inevitability about it now? Because that's kind of how it seems to me. It's a tough one. And I uh, I think if we, if we continue conceding, um, irrespective of, it goes to your point, I guess, um, as what happened with Leno, irrespective of whether it is directly Ramsdale's fault, he would look that as a marker against him. Um, I think if Raya comes in against Man United, then for sure, I think that's Ramsdale being demoted to second keeper because it's a big game that you're really then taking a decision in a big, big game and you're basically making a statement that this is my best team and you're not in it. Uh I, I can't predict. I, I don't know if I've seen enough of the first three games to suggest that he is really under threat. But uh, it's one that I, I'm I'm sticking by. I think he still plays, but um, it is it is difficult to hold on to that viewpoint uh, at the moment. But I'm going to try and do it because uh, just because I can't see anything totally different from in his performances from what I. Uh, saw before the season started and what my thoughts were about this situation. And uh, talking about what, you know, things happening at the weekend might be, might be pivotal. You said there, if Raya gets in, then, then that's probably it. Um, The Gabrielle situation, which it's really easy to come at this from either way. Right. It's really easy to say, well, this is clearly tactical because Zinchenko has, has been out for four and a half months. He's not ready to start. We want a, a, a fullback that inverts. Mm. So we want someone in midfield to make up that extra number. So party going in. Ben White moving across makes sense because they do that switch around every now and again between party and Ben White and Ben White does the overlap. Then you're left with one centre back left and Saliba plays over Gabriel. That's an easy argument to make. But it's also an easy argument to say he played 70-odd consecutive games. He played in the charity shield. And we've now reached a point where there must be something else going on. Juz, how are you reading this one at the minute? Are you reading anything into it? Or do you want to see this team against United before you really come to any conclusions? Because if Zinchenko plays against United and Gabriel doesn't, he's got a problem. Your last point there is is what I would highlight the most. Um, I have kind of been in the camp of this is obviously strategy to use while Zinchenko's been out. If we see Zinchenko start at left back and Gabriel not at left center back, I think there's more than what any of us know is going on. Um, and it, it worries me, but I also do know, what are we on? August 28th. So... Well, even then, the Saudi transfer window is three weeks long. Yeah, it's, that's right. It's yep. three days for hours, 24. I think you can yep. say, though, first off, selling Gabriel now would be absolute madness. But selling him after September 1st, I, yeah. I don't see it. Crazy. That would be cutting our own throats. Yeah. I, I, I no don't timber. see that. Yeah, especially with Timber being out pr- probably the season. 
Um, so, you, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I had a, like more of an insider uh, aspect to this to this whole decision. I don't like it. Personally, I want to see Gabriel return to the starting lineup uh, for United, and I hope Zinchenko's back as well. I don't like party it right back, to be honest, even though I, I do understand it. I, I do understand it. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm in the camp of, you know, this is because Zinchenko's out, and I, I hope I'm right. I just don't have any more in, info than that, though, you know. Paz, do you think there's more going on here? I mean, there's a lot of prominent people, in, including Charles Watts, who, who have said today that they don't know anything, but they feel like there's more going on. I've also seen reports that the uh, the talks for Gabriel now have reached a point where we're getting towards 100 million quid, um, which is a lot of money. We, if you're going to do it, though, you've got to do it now, right? Yeah, but you've also got to have a, a replacement lined up. Um, well, that's what I mean, but you have to do it now if you're going to do it. You can't do this on September 2nd. No, you can't, but... I, I, I would I would also argue against doing it at all because oh, 100%, 100%. I think any other you've just you sell your best one you know the, arguably the best centre back that we have um, I know Saliba is an argument as well but you, you definitely he's one of the two um, and you sell him for a hundred million everyone knows you're just selling for a hundred million you're going for a centre back somewhere else they're going to inflate that price you know they're talking about Gay and and all of these guys. Um, I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, but I do see the point that something has happened. I, I can't I can't feel it's just tactical, especially how underwhelming party is in that position and, and how shaky we've been defensively. The partnership with Saliba, the Ben White effect with Saka. It, it doesn't, it seems something's happened. I don't know, maybe he came late to training. I, I have no idea. And there's some form of punishment for it. But uh, as I said, I said this last time, but I think for sure, Man United now Zinchenko starts and he's not starting, then definitely something has happened. I can't believe it's just tactical. It's uh, It makes no sense. But nor would Party and Zinchenko play together. That doesn't make any sense to me either. So maybe he puts a Tomiyasu in then uh, and then puts Party right back. I don't know. But I would, I, I would think Zinchenko plays, Gabriel plays. I'm still not quite sure why he can't put Gabriel at left back in this mm. system. I don't see what Kivior did at the weekend that Gabriel couldn't do. I think Gabriel's on the bulwark. He's massively underrated, incredibly mm. underrated. And with us basically working as a hybrid back three, I don't understand why he doesn't feel like Gabriel is the perfect player to play that role. He already plays it. He already mm. plays it because usually it's Zinchenko that goes into midfield and Gabriel covers left back and left centre back. Just I don't, you know, I know that both of you were a bit surprised when I said before that that is what I could see happening and it is what I would have done. But can you tell me what Kivior did on Saturday that Gabriel couldn't do? Uh, no, mate, I couldn't. And and this is kind of one of my issues with this whole thing and why I think there may be something more to it is that. Um, 
I would think that Gabriel would be the perfect, uh, you know, we basically play like a, a, what, what would you call it? Like a three plus one, right? Like a, a, a back. Yeah. Three, it's three uh, defenders and then a hybrid, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Gabriel seems like he'd be perfect for any situation like that. He gives us, um, uh, you, you know, more defensive coverage in the air. He is probably our most likely center back to score on set pieces. I just, I don't understand what he, like, to your point, like, I don't think he viewer gives us anything that Gabriel doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about this one. Um, I, I hope there's nothing to it because, you know, like, but pause, when pause was speaking, I was thinking about, like, even if we got a hundred million, can you name a left-footed center back that we could bring in in about Gabriel's age range that would be as good or better than him? Because... I, no, I and I can't does. name one that would be cheaper than that on the 29th of August. Uh, 29th, yeah, exactly. 30th yeah. or 31st of August. I, I just yeah. can't name one. I, I think you get that money and you turn around and it goes straight out the door on an inferior defender. That's, exactly. that's what I think happens. Yep. Yeah, I agree 100%. So so this is one I, I don't personally understand unless there's been some kind of uh, falling out behind, behind closed doors. Well, like I said, for me, I can understand Timber playing in that left-back position instead of Gabriel. I wouldn't do it, but I understand putting Tommy Asu there instead of Gabriel if you're going to play party at right-back. Right? I, I, I think there's a there's a valid argument to be made for why you do it. I do not see the argument for putting Kivior there. And it was this weekend is when I kind of thought, huh, maybe something's up. Because I, this we are now we're approaching Kieran Tierney territory at this point because we've now gone through we've got Zinchenko who's not ready to start Timber's injured Tommy Asu suspended and he's looking at Kivior instead of Gabriel I I that this is the weekend where I thought mm, maybe something's up here so I don't know I think all three of us agree that if Zinchenko starts at the weekend and Gabriel doesn't there's there's issues. I mean, and that's after the mm. transfer window ends, by the way, after the European transfer window ends. Mm. You know, <clears throat> sorry, pause, not to interrupt if you were about to speak. Um, no, 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 no. Not I was just going to say, uh, you know, Arteta is very, very cagey with injury news. And this literally could just be something as simple as, you know, a, 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 like a, a pulled calf or something that he just wants to keep opposition teams guessing. I'd be more inclined to believe that if he didn't fry him on for the last 10 minutes at Crystal Palace when we That's were fair, defending yeah. for our lives. But then you can also make the argument, well, if he's going to Saudi, he's had his head turned, he's not ready to play or whatever, why are you frying him on and give him the armband with 10 minutes to go at Salas Park? So I guess it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, that right, Justin? Or, or even letting uh, Zinchenko play ten minutes in that uh, that charity Ukrainian game when he hadn't even appeared for us yet, you know, um, it, it does kind of seem to be some some weird balance issues going on with some of our uh, our injured players. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not educated enough on the on the topic to really speak on it. But um, there there has been some weirdness to where I wouldn't really question it if it just came out in a week that Gabriel was carrying an injury. I think where where you get worried is um, Arteta kind of could have justified it for the Fulham game because we won the previous two. So even though we didn't play particularly well in either of those games, that you know party at right back was yeah, still got us through the game and won. 
Um, now the Fulham game has passed and we were pretty horrendous defensively. There were problems, obviously, with that. Um, and now you know Zinchenko is back and you know Gabriel's readily available. Um, by not picking him against Man United, it's unequipped. For me, it's hands-down issue because now there is no excuse to revert it back to the previous game and say, oh, well, we won that, so that's why we're doing the same thing. There isn't that to go back to. Now, the previous game, we were terrible defensively. We were not set up properly on that on that side of things. Um, so I, I, he has to. I, I can only see him playing, and if he's not, there is definitely a problem. Definitely. I think if we see Zinchenko at left back, part a uh, right back, then I think what we can absolutely say one hundred percent is this is a new system and it's a new system that's here to stay. And remember, at last year we started with Ben White at right back, which a lot of us thought would revert back as soon as Tommy Asu was fit, and he didn't. So if if Zinchenko comes back in and Partey is still at right back, I mean, I would be surprised, but you know. This if it, if that is what happens, then this is a new system, and Gabriel will be the third choice centre back. I, I I would be baffled against United because Rashford will destroy Party on the left hand side because that's one th- they're going to absolutely target Party on the left, um, obviously his right um, with Rashford, and that's probably Rashford's strongest position is playing on the left hand side. So. I'd be really surprised if he does that because not even just from um, building up play and all of that from a defensive standpoint, uh, I think you're you're asking for a lot of trouble uh, by doing that against United. All right, well, we're we're gonna have to see how this one plays out. I think we'll we'll I think we're gonna have a very very clear picture Sunday afternoon mm. of exactly where we stand with this. I, I really feel that the team sheet on Sunday he's going to basically reveal absolutely everything. So we'll see where we're at after that. Emil Smith-Rowe. There are stories today that Chelsea have inquired. I think if Chelsea offer us 50 or 60 million, I think he's gone. Um, Paz, I'm going to go to you first because I want to build this up for Justin. I want him to get more and more angry while he's sitting there. I want to see him go really, really red. like a, like yeah, a It's group. starting. It's starting. In fact, it. to, to let you behind the curtain, Justin's just moved into a new house. I kind of want to see him smash it up a little bit. Like <laughs> I want to wind him up to that point. So Paz, tell me how you're feeling about this with, uh, with Emil Smith-Rowe before we go, Justin. I mean, I, I know Justin is a big advocate for Smith-Rowe, and so am I. Um, I just haven't seen him for such a long time. I need to refresh my memory uh, by looking at old uh, videos of his goals and stuff like that. It, it is... Uh, I, Fabio Vieira is ahead of him. I think we have to acknowledge that. We can see it just in the form in the subs when they come on and we're chasing games. Smith Rowe is not the one that he's looking to. Uh, now, in, in terms of Chelsea, um, I... Um, yeah, I, I think that would be a price point that would be acceptable to us. But I would feel it's really, it would feel really disappointing to me that we basically swapped Harvard's Smith Rowe. Like we've got Harvard's and they get Smith Rowe. I feel that's not, it, it, I know it's not a direct trade, but it would feel like that 60 for one, 60 for the other. I'd take Smith Rowe any day of the week. I know A is not one of his positions that it's debatable whether he would be successful in that position or not. But I, I think he's a great player. I really do. And I think it's forgotten how important he was when we 
when Arteta's um, when we started to really improve as a team in the in the season that we finished fifth. Um, sorry, yeah, yeah, the season we finished fifth. Um, I, he he was until he got injured, he was absolutely brilliant. I'd be really disappointed if that's the case, and to sell it to Chelsea, and I know sixty million is is could be difficult to turn down, but to give them one of our youth players uh, from the hell end, who's been a great part of our squad over the years, I'd, I'd, I'd be really gutted about that. And Justin, I'm just going to put my earplugs in, um, maybe turn the volume down a little bit. <laughs> um, go ahead, bud. Uh, how how much time do we have, Gav? <laughs> not enough for you to say everything so let's get it in smaller doses okay <clears throat> listen I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna just be completely honest here okay i'm i'm not biased because i just like the guy i i've never met smith bro i feel this way because of his performances for the team in in, in the past um so this has nothing to do with me just like liking smith Rowe more than Havertz or anything like that <clears throat> um smith Rowe's season uh, the season before last was better than any season Havertz has had in the Prem. He's done it for us. I would argue he's probably more versatile considering Havertz has been a flop in the Prem in pretty much every position he's played. Right wing, false nine, and now left eight so far. I know it's early. I would detest to sell him to Chelsea for that amount of money, even less than we paid for Havertz, because I do think he is the superior player. I really dislike that he hasn't got a chance to play after fixing an injury that's plagued him for multiple years that he even had his successful season from carrying this groin injury. And it dates all the way back to his Leipzig loan. I think that pretty much the only reason Havertz could be more useful than Smithrow is that he's a little taller. Um, and Arteta likes that, that far post run when we have the ball on the right. Um, I would absolutely hate this deal. And uh, I think uh, Arteta would be my least favorite person in the world. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's pretty fair. Um, there's not a lot there, actually, that I would... Can't argue with it, to be no, honest. No, there's not a lot there that I would disagree with. The only thing that I would add to it is that I think we are close getting to the point, and we might not be there yet, but we may get there in January or next summer, where for Smith Rowe's own career, he has to leave. Yeah. Because if Arteta is not going to use him, and so far we've seen no signs that he is going to use him, so if Arteta is not going to use him, he has to leave. And when you think of someone of the talent of Smith Rowe, he's not someone that's going out on loan to Rio Sociedad, right? The, the people banging on the door are going to be the Premier League clubs. They're going to be the higher end ones. Newcastle would be banging on the door for Emil Smith Rowe. I'm pretty sure of that. Chelsea, it's being reported, are banging on the door for Emil Smith Rowe. We are going to want to get the most money for him. So that is where he's going to go. I would not be surprised if this deal happened. We talked last week and Judge, you said about when you would ask me about the surprise departures and I said no. And you said, what about Emil Smith-Rowe? And I said, to me, I don't think that would be a surprise. And I think that's where I, that's where I am with it. Uh, pause. I mean, do you want to weigh in? I kind of just, uh, if, if no, you... No, you, you do, man. Uh, Smith-Rowe's okay. your, your area. Um, I can, I, I mean, I still think we'll hold him. For another year, I do. I think fifty million is going to be considered too low for him, uh, considering what he's what he's done for us and um, 
in the past, you know, I mean, he literally probably, uh, I, I don't want to come on too strong here, but I would honestly say. He saved Arteta's job. Thank you. Okay. That's what I was going to say. But I was oh, 100% he saved yeah. Arteta's job. Anyways, uh, what I'm curious from you guys is, and I know this is all just going to be, um, uh, what's the word where you're guessing, but it's conjecture. Conjecture. Yeah. Um, why is he not getting chances? Is he a bad trainer, you think? I don't think Arteta likes to make changes. I think you've seen that. He he, he likes a consistency of team. He would pick the same 11 every week if he could. I don't yeah. think he would make subs if he could. I think he's just down the pecking order. And when you are down the pecking order with Arteta, you simply don't get games. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's fair. Pause. what do you think, Nate? I, I find it really... I, I, I just... I don't know. It's it's a really hard. I know the injuries played a part in delaying his return, um, and to a point where he was even being played um, coming on as a sub, but he was still injured. And then obviously had that lengthy timeout. I I don't know. I don't know if it could be attitude. I can't see him as the guy that has a problem with attitude. Well, or... and he hasn't been sold, Paz. That's what makes me think he is not an attitude thing because mm. I think if it was I think he'd be gone and he's Arteta not training no alone problem. no yeah, and Arteta scary. has no problem getting rid of players that he thinks is that he thinks yeah. are bad yeah. yeah yeah I just I mean it's only three games in and I guess you could argue the first game um we they scored that goal uh Forrest scored the goal and then we started to do our you know defensive minded uh, uh, approach to the game so maybe he wasn't the right player to bring on at that point crystal palace away same thing we we're down to 10 men so you couldn't imagine him coming on for that um fulham slightly surprising because we were losing but obviously he had viera ahead of him yeah, uh, I think the longer that continues, the the more you have to think his his days are numbered because I, I just uh, I just I I don't know I can't put my finger on it. I think he's just been out for such a long time that, like Gav said, he's just uh, we've moved on as a club in terms of what who the players are in the pecking order. Um, but I really hope we can see more of him. Yeah, I I just I just get the feeling at this point that the breakup is inevitable. Like I just mm-hmm. do, I I do not see, I do not see a future where Smith Rowe is important for Arsenal. I just don't see it, and it is such a shame because two years ago I would never have thought that, and and I don't want it to be the case. Like I really don't want it to be the case. He's come through Hal End when him and Saka come through, it was like a breath of fresh air. And I I agree with you, Justin. I do not think Kai Havertz is a better player than Emil Smith Rowe. I, I just don't. I don't see it. I I think Kai Havertz's height is a negative because I'm getting sick and tired of these long balls being punted forward. So yeah. I, I think he's height. I would actually like to chop six inches off of his height so we could stop fucking doing this, punting the ball up in the air. But yeah. it, it it just it, it. I am surprised, but for me, knowing this manager the way we do, and I love this manager, so I'm prepared to put up with a lot of this stuff. But knowing this manager the way I do. When you are out, I think you are out. And right now, I think Emil Smith-Rowe is out. I was shocked that he didn't move on this summer already. I thought he would have been... I thought he'd have been gone in the first two weeks of the summer. Just And isn't it interesting, too? Oh, yeah. Isn't it interesting, too? Because it, it sounds like the, the club, uh, like Arsenal Football Club, was like, no, no sale. We're not selling this player. You know what I mean? And, and I'd find it weird how close, you know, Edu and, and Arteta seem to work together that... Um, 
Edu would hold on to this kid if if Arteta wasn't playing. I, I don't think that's it though, and I think the reason these stories are coming out now, and this is this is complete again conjecture, it's complete guesswork on my part. Yeah, but I think there might be something to the fact that a bit like Erdegaard at Real Madrid, right? When he he had the loan at us, he went back to Real Madrid because he wanted to see if he was going to be involved. He wasn't. It got to two weeks before the window, and he was like, you know what, this ain't working. I've got to get out of here. I'm wondering if we've reached that point with Smith Rowe, where after these, after the Charity Shield and the first three league games, he's just gone. You know what? This ain't going to work for me, and I need to go. And that's why we're starting to see these stories now. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that so if we continue with this Rice, uh, Havertz, Odegaard, which I mean, I guess none of us really think we will, right? Uh, if uh, once the well, maybe I guess with the back line, depending on the back line. But I think we, I think we will. I think we will. You might not see it this weekend. You might see Partey and Rice. But I think the future in Arteta's mind is Rice, Havertz, and Odegaard. I don't think Partey's in that midfield in the future in in Arteta's head. Well, I'm wondering, and then if there is maybe a spot for, um. Uh, for Vieira and Smith Rowe, considering you're going to be replacing two attacking midfielders, but then I mean, I I still I agree that Arteta is going to be quicker to pull Jorginho on, so maybe it's yeah yeah. And if you're Smith Rowe, how long can you sit there for? Again, I mean, this is the thing we said about Balogun, right? Balogun's 22; he wants to go and lead the line somewhere. Emil Smith Rowe is he 22 or 23? Just 23, I believe. He's, he's no. 23. So how long can he sit on the bench at Arsenal? He ain't making the England squad while he's getting no minutes for Arsenal. So how long can he sit? I'm sure he doesn't want to leave. I'm sure in an ideal world, he'd be starting every game for Arsenal. But how long can he sit there and watch his career drip by while he's not even getting the dregs at the minutes in these games? Yeah, I mean, this could be the worst timing of an injury I've ever seen because it had he been fit at like, remember the February, March period of last season? When when Martinelli basically took over that left wing job. Yep, exactly. I think he'd be like nailed on, but he was injured then. And I, I think he's been a bit forgotten about now. Yeah, I think we've just moved on. So, or, or Arteta has moved on, I should say. Uh, they're destroying all our songs, right? We've got we've got no Kieran at the back for the Arteta song. We're about to lose. We might be about to lose Smith Rowe for the Sacra and Emil Smith Rowe song. We're going to have to gonna have to come up with some new songs, which ain't easy seeing as they've banned everyone from the stadium that they used to sing. So, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, just quickly, the only other rumour is that... Um, I, can't, I can't remember what journalist said it now, but someone said it might have, it might have still been Fabrizio, said that there's interest in Rob Holding from Spain. Mm. Uh, I don't know why all our players are going to Spain, but has any chance of getting an actual fee out of the Spanish? Yeah, I mean, we're not talking a lot, are we? I don't think we're going to be demanding a lot for Rob Holding now. We only got him for two million. He's just not, he's not in Arteta's plans at all. Uh, it's either that or another loan. But I mean, if you're getting about, you know, four to six million, you, you might have to just let that go and 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 sell. Um, because uh, as much as I like Rob Holding as a person, and I think he's he's a great character in the dressing room from what, what, what I can see, he it, there's just no use, is there, for him. There's no use anymore. Um, I think there can be a fee, um, but because I don't think wages are going to be extremely high, I don't think Arsenal are going to be unrealistic with what price they can get from him, because considering they didn't buy him for much. Uh, so I, I, I have a feeling he'll be off. I did think that 
he would be one that would go up just purely because his fee won't be that much. Um, but um, hey, I wouldn't be complaining if I was bought by a Spanish club. So no, that's no, not a exactly. bad place to go, is it? No, I think he'll be off. I think the question is whether it's on loan or, or permanent. I yeah. feel like it's going to end up being a being a loan, and we'll probably mm. extend the option on his contract for another year, which is kind of nuts. But that's that's kind of where we are with it. Does anything you wanna you wanna add before we wrap this up? I was just going to say it, it's kind of a real shame that um, MLS doesn't uh, invest a lot in defenders, especially central defenders, because I, I know he's had that American girlfriend for a long time and he's big into like U.S. culture. I think he'd be a really good player for an MLS team, but I don't think any of them are going to pay, a, you know, a six million dollar transfer fee for him. For anything. I don't think they'd pay his salary either. I think we're five years away from from him being in the in, in the MLS. I, I think it will happen. Um, but I think we're we're probably five years away from it. He's going to have to be winding down, like you said, MLS clubs because of their because of their salary cap rules. They basically put all of their money into yeah. their forwards, except into Miami, who are allowed to spend whatever they like. LA Galaxy used to be allowed to do it as well, um, so they can spend whatever they want while everyone else has to follow the rules. So maybe he goes into Miami, but um, that's the um, yeah. That, I, I think it will eventually, but I don't think it's an option now because I just think his salary. I mean, you know, we say it's not a lot. He's still on sixty grand a week. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a lot. I, yeah. I wouldn't say no to it. He'd still be, he'd still be probably by, he'd probably still be the highest paid player in MLS by about forty grand a week defensively. So, yeah. uh, you know, other than maybe Jordi Alba, but again, man, uh, Inter Miami don't really count. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think Alba's on a, a designated player contract, anyways, is he? I think he's. It don't count. It don't count with Inter Miami. They don't need designated players. They just, they just do whatever they want. They, they lost a draft pick for having too many of them and then uh just carried on doing it anyway anyway not an mls podcast so guys we'll um we'll leave it there for tonight we'll come back i think we'll probably try and come back friday because that is after the transfer window shuts um in the cl the champions league draw and the draw so we could do thursday and cover the champions league draw but then there'll be still be a day to go the transfer window so i think what we'll do is we'll probably come back friday the game's on sunday anyway we'll preview the game and we'll wrap up the transfer window So we will see you all then, Um, lads. Thank you for tonight. And uh, I will speak to you all soon. Goodbye. That's good. Good Take care. Bye-bye.